What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is myself and Sean Coleman previewing the 2022 World Series Phillies versus Astros. We dive deep into the Phils. We dive deep into the Eagles in NFL Week 8 as we look forward to an incredible week for Philadelphia sports. Very Philly-heavy episode, but we had a lot of fun with this one. We hope you do too. Let us know what you think. As always, though, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG, Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. But enjoy the episode. Enjoy the World Series. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, part of the Bullpen Card Podcast. Feed. In fact, it is the main bullpen card, combined with the fun tailgate. I'm used to the general intro, where we say a part of the feed, and I'm all lost in the sauce, because we're doing the World Series and football together. I'm so excited to be back. We did miss last week's show, ended up getting swamped with work. A little tired after the AL, or the NL and ALDS with uh, going to the Eagles game, the Phillies, all that. But we're back for the World Series. We're back for some football. Joining me this week, the man who started the Phillies journey with us all the way back, the NL East previews, the legend himself, Sean Coleman. Shawnee, how are you? <laughs> hey, what's up, Jordy? Uh, thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Pumped to have you on. Obviously I feel like huge. Ranger Suarez is going to listen to this and be like, hey, they had it right. <laughs> You're exactly right. Uh, <laughs> the best part of that, for those that you know might not remember her preview, that we were so pumped about Mickey Moniak. And like, I think as <laughs> I was editing the episode, the news that he was out for two months came out that he broke his arm. And uh, he's not even on the team anymore. He got traded for Brandon Marsh. In later, kind of Brandon later, Marsh, kind of Thor. Uh, kind of, you know, all included that whole, that whole deal. So, uh, you know, we were right to some degree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the Phillies are in the world series. We didn't do an episode last week talking Woo! about the Padres series, but it was awesome. The Phillies obviously won in five. The, they're playing the Houston Astros who swept the Yankees out of the playoffs. Um, really silenced the Yankees and a lot of, a lot of stuff to come out there. A lot of good off season fodder, but we're obviously with Sean on and Sean, the, humongous Eagles fan that he is. We're going to dive into football after we talk some World Series. But, you know, the Phils come into this, obviously, the third wild card team, the first third wild card, you know, or I guess technically the first and second in baseball history because obviously the Mariners were also the, the third wild card team. But, you know, they make the World Series, and it, it's pretty incredible to see the, the run they've been on and what they've been able to do with, you know, carrying or being carried on the backs of, you know, obviously the offense popping off Bryce Harper's home run to send them in there, but Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Sean, when you look at this playoff run and just the season in general, what do you see out of the Phillies? What I see, Jordy, is that connective tissue that isn't directly built in baseball as in other sports. Mm-hmm. It takes time, and this season started, and the coach just – it wasn't the coach. I mean, every we knew it last year. We went into this year. Like, the guy is just blah. And Joe Girardi's gone. They they bring in a new coach and Rob Thompson, and the the team just responded. They bonded, and you just saw them play to the expectations that we had thought was going to happen from the very beginning of the season. But we start like I don't think it was a traditional like oh we were such a long shot. It's just we started so slow. A lot of new players, and then getting rid of a coach like a lot happened. But then once all the stars like aligned, and it wasn't even like lucky stars it was just like the things that we probably should have done earlier mm-hmm. the team just played like they should have played and here we are in the world series yeah it's pretty incredible i remember a lot of comparisons in the and we might have even talked about this on the on the preview we did but a lot of comparisons to the 93 team and i think it's so apt because it is just a group of characters right it's you know all the different things that we've seen on you know comparisons of the two teams for the world series of like you know the the machine versus 
you know, the unhinged group or there was one that's like the, the Astros are a classically trained fencer and the Phillies are a redneck with a machete. And it's such, such a good comparison to that 93 team. You know, Macho Row and everything there on those teams with John Crook, with, you know, Dutch and, and all those different guys. And obviously Wild Thing in the back end of that. But this team, you're, you're exactly right. It is something of, you know, not just the parties that you're seeing in the clubhouse in between rounds, but like these guys in the dugout. And there was such a difference between when Girardi got fired and afterwards of them going absolutely bonkers whenever anything would happen and you saw it build up more and more and more and more and the personalities continue to flourish and like these guys like you can tell they want to pick each other up and it's just incredible to see because you're right in a sport like baseball where it's independent and individual athletes doing individual things so often guys that want to pick each other up you know like you'd see on a football field or in a hockey rink or a basketball court it's fun to see it's really fun. Like these guys, they're just so full of energy. You have a mixture of like some veterans, some younger guys, some guys who like Gene Segura have been have been waiting for this for what what is it twelve seasons? Like how oh many seasons? God, yeah, it's, it's just a, a really long time. And it, man, it's just it's energizing for me. Somebody like you know me, like I love Philly sports in general, and I watch as many Phillies games as I can. But with a newborn, it's hard. <laughs> um, and they're they're these playoffs have just been so exciting. Like everyone's doing something, whether it's like watching Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, like throw heaters, like granted, like Nola's last game was not like a little less to be expected, but man, like some of those games they were throwing, it was just, it was like watching art and, and these bats have just come alive. Like every game they're, they're, they're producing. Yeah. And that, that wasn't the case all season. Like they'd go through droughts and I, they ended the season on kind of a drought and like, it's just it's so awesome to watch. It's just oh god, what a time to be alive in Philly, Jordy. What a time! <laughs> it really is. And uh, I know there's you know I don't know how many of them are listening, but there's the, the Union fans out there. They want to talk about the Union, and uh, you know there was the incredible clip of the I think it was Fox Twenty Nine interviewing some girls on the street or some women on the street that were like, oh yeah, the Phillies they're going to the World Series, the Eagles are undefeated, and the one goes, oh yeah, the Union. Oh, we love blue collar workers, but the you know the soccer team is doing very well too. <laughs> Which is, if you've never seen this clip, go go find it. Of I think I think it was Fox Twenty Nine. The, the tweet just says we love the blue collar workers too. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, coming into this series, first World Series in, in thirteen years, crazy to think. There's the the entire run, really, the last eleven years since the, the 2011 team of where they've been, who's been playing, who's been pitching. You know, you've seen all the different people throw out names of, you know, whether it's the the Kingeries of the world or I saw an Aaron Harang reference, if you remember him, what that, that <laughs> fucking guy. Jonathan Papelman was a Philly, set the team record in saves, and then left. That was the first three years of the 11-year drought. He set the team record and then got traded to the, to the Nationals. That's the Harper chokeout, which is crazy to think about that too. And just the journey that the team has been on, and you're exactly right, of this team, like, at certain points, both with Girardi, post-Girardi, and certainly at the end of the season, you're thinking, man, the same old Phillies. And then Aaron Nola, in the middle of September, threw all the, the September demons aside and obviously has a start in Houston and throws no hit ball for six-plus innings. And that's what sends the team to the playoffs. And it's this almost roller coaster collision course type of narrative that these two were facing. So, I mean, with, you know, not to damper the mood, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be really hard for the Phillies to pull this off. But how do you feel going into it? Do you, how, how much are you thinking they got a shot at this? I mean, I think they have a great shot. Me personally, with a team like this, who's hot, you don't like to see, like too long of a layoff, and I don't think it was too long. I think it was just it was it was just the right amount of time to where they can keep that heat because like Philly has kept that heat alive for them. Yeah. We're painting murals, we're reviving Hoagie Fest and calling it Schwarber Fest. Like <laughs> we we have got these guys backs, and we are like we're like Seattle's what is it their twelfth man? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We we are that for them, and 
everyone keeps saying, oh, well, the Houston, their dome can get really loud. No, what I say, Jordan, I say, fuck their dome. Like, <laughs> hey, we got the, the back, bro. <laughs> the Yankees, the Yankees hate the dome. They, they hate what, or they liked the dome. They hated when the roof got open. They thought that was cheating, which is yeah, obviously well, another side note as well. But, uh, yeah, you the know. cranky, the crankies can can go kick rocks, man. <laughs> this is what this is what they do. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. like everybody says, the Met go, the Mets are going to Met. Well, this is what the Yankees do, and they're going to be saying goodbye to uh, their star hitter because it sounds like he's going to San Francisco. <laughs> uh, so hilariously, there was like a you know some pause the video. It was just a you know replay of it, and uh, a bunch of them I got were the Mets. So that's not a good sign. I don't know. You know, obviously I'm a big mush. So maybe Met fans are hearing that and are like, fuck you, Jordy. But, uh, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah. So quickly on the Astros cheating thing, I think we're past that point. And I think because of COVID, we really got past that point of all the trash can stuff. It's really been in the news. Like the Inquirer had a, here's a quick dossier on it. And I feel like it's, you know, you saw everything that 88% of America is rooting for the Phillies and all this stuff because of it. But I uh-huh. feel like, and especially if they do, the Astros do win this as they are favored to, you know, we're really going to get past all of that cheating scenario or cheating scandal and everything there. But, you know, and looking past that of Dusty Baker finally getting a World Series at the Astros win and, and all this stuff, like there is a, outside of obviously the air of it, there is a good, a feel good story on the Astros side of it, right? I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> cheaters <laughs> yeah, you know i i try so when we you know i obviously don't pick when the when philadelphia teams are involved i didn't in the super bowl run when the flyers were actually good and they're currently winning so they're gonna they might go to five and two uh, but again mush so they might have lost by the time you're listening to this listener um you know but when they were actually good and make the playoffs i wouldn't pick them we don't really talk about the Sixers, but I, I wouldn't pick the Sixers if we did basketball shows. So I won't pick on this, and I, I won't bet anything on there. I know, sh- shocker to the listeners. But, um, yeah, it you know, there are signs that are concerning of actual pundits picking the Phillies. You know, I'd rather it be everybody picks them. I can't remember with the Eagles Super Bowl run if guys were actually picking the Eagles, or, or not just guys, girls too, but if the experts were picking the Eagles at all in it. I'd feel a lot more confident if people were. That's just the Philadelphia in me. If people were just like, "Oh yeah, this thing's a this thing's a wrap," and it would be, but it also would be the ultimate disrespect to the Phillies because of if this thing does go at least six games, you're getting two starts out of Nola and out of Wheeler. And Nola's last start was more like a midseason Nola start where he looked good and then had the bad inning. But you got to think, even if he has one of those, the other start should be pretty solid. And Wheeler's looked incredible. I know there's obviously been the times he's gotten pulled early because of the, you know, the velocity loss or, you know, lefty-lefty matchups or whatever. But you got to feel really confident in it to your point of feeling really good. Because no matter what the offense does, and we've had that in every series where the offense has had really lackadaisical efforts, including in the St. Louis series where they ended up scoring however many runs in the ninth inning, the first eight innings were tough. So, you know, this is going to be almost a microcosm of the entire Phillies season if if I'm not overstepping myself here. Yeah, I mean, this is where this is where the big boys play. This is this is this is the end. I mean, nobody gets here by accident. You get here by being the absolute best. And the Astros all season have proved that they were like really 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 good and they've shown it in the postseason that they're really 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 good they're the absolute best in their division and i'll tell you what though they're they're not they're not facing a team that's just going to kind of like walk blindly and let them kind of take pieces of their game for granted like there's not one hole really in this phillies team i mean if sir anthony can just like find what he had like that rain game like it's kind of hard to like really like imagine trying to throw like a 98 mile per hour fastball with with your hands just just covered in water, it's like impossible. Yeah, but I mean, it's man, it's just going to be exciting. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. I mean, that kind of leads into the one aspect of this series that really, you know, because you could we could dissect the lineups. I know if you're a longtime listener to the bullpen cart, when we've done the World Series previews, we've gone position by position. But we, a, it's two Phillies fans. It's hard for us to sound unbiased. But b 
you know, it, you really could, depending on how the guys are doing, it really could be a toss-up. It's also tough, too, because with the Phillies, they have such a different lineup for righties versus lefties. And depending on what Houston throws at you, you could be seeing, you know, the the March Stott short and center lineup. Or you could be seeing, you know, it, it really depends on how things go with the Veerling and Sosa and, and how that happens. And especially with Rob Thompson's frequent use of defensive substitutions. I mean, really the whole kitchen sink's being thrown at offensively. But the difference in this, and this is why I'm concerned with this, is the pitching. And it really is Nola Wheeler, to a certain extent Ranger. Then you're going to have a bullpen game again in game four. It obviously went well for the Phillies where they ousted Carrasco and then they were able to take advantage of Montas. They were able to to really pour it on. The offense really came alive in game four against the Padres. But the Astros, pitching-wise, have really great starters. And no matter who they don't start, they can pull them out of the bullpen. And then the back end of their bullpen is really fucking good. And of course, you know, at certain points in the season, we were seeing the Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris over me meme, but it was Hector Neris as Jimmy Butler. Yuri's familiar yeah. over me. And it's awesome to see him to see him play. That's another part of the feel-good story is Hector Neris gets a ring if the Phillies do lose, which is great. I don't I don't think a lot, you know, obviously he had his moments of ineptitude as a Philly, but, you know, he's been fantastic for him. And same with so many guys in the Astros back into their bullpen. So if the, with the Sir Anthony and the Jose Alvarado aspect, they, I doubt you would see them in blowouts or even in losing situations unless it's really you got you know Hoskins real Muto Harper coming up or real Muto Harper Castellanos maybe to keep it close like the Josh Hader situation in game five for the Padres but you got on that effort of if you're losing and you got to keep it close do you bring them in or do you throw caution to the wind and roll the dice on Brad Hand which has not gone well or Andrew Bellotti, no, it has not. Or Connor Brogdon. So it really becomes that question of who the fuck is going to come in, A, in losing efforts, and B, if Ranger only goes six innings, who are you giving the ball to? And the bullpen game is a completely different animal. So that's where this gets interesting. But again, four starts are Wheeler Nola. So it'd be, you know, I don't think this should be that quick of a series unless Wheeler and Nola both put up a goose egg. In game one, I mean, that's really the the doomsday scenario. But, you know, I mean, crazier things have happened. The Astros did that to, or no, the Nationals won the first two games. Never mind. I was about to say the Astros did that to the Nationals. But it was the reverse. The road team won all of the games in that World Series three years ago. So take withdrawn. But regardless, Sean, when you see the rest of the bullpen, and as well as the bullpen game, how concerned are you? I mean, after listening to everything you just said, I'm just hoping it doesn't come down to really leaning on our bullpen. I'm hoping, like, what you're saying, we have quality starts out of our starters. Like, who was our starters in our last World Series? Can you go through that for for the audience right now? Yeah, like, it was, it was, it was Hamels, Moyer, Blanton. Was Brett Myers starting games then, or is he still coming? I think Brett Myers was starting game. It was back to being a starter yeah. at that point. Yeah. So I think it was so those like four. That, so that was our winning World Series lineup. Yeah. This is better. This it, is it, better. Those the top three are Cole Hamels at that point was dominant. But you know, like Blanton he, Blanton got the job done. Blanton obviously hit the home run in game uh-huh. was game two. Game like three. these guys these guys game, know game they three, didn't get here by accident. They know no, they he got did here. it in Tampa. Sorry, I'm thinking out loud. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But, but these guys did not get here by they accident. Done it, in they, Tampa. it had to be in Philly because DH. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 you're good. But they know – I'm just saying they know what they have to do. You're going to see focus like you've never seen out of these guys before because the chances of them getting to this point again in their careers, it's a it's a real long shot. It's 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 the hardest thing to do to come here. But, God, it, it, I, I was listening to uh, the radio. John Ritchie was like, these guys, when they play in these games, like he's, he was talking about football, and he was saying, like, I'd rather go either – two options go and win or not playing it at all because you don't want to remember losing. Cause it's like the, 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 the biggest heartache ever. So these guys are going to come in furious. Like you're going to see focus out of JT. Like you've never seen before. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping like we get Castellanos like starts to just like, 
he's, the guy has got to pop off at some point. I mean, he started to against Atlanta. So, yeah. do we, yeah, I mean, getting a Castellanos game would be huge. Hoping that Harper stays on the absolute fucking tear he's been on throughout the postseason. And then, you know, the top. Schwarber has looked way better in that entire Padres series. Reese figured it out in the Atlantic series. And even when he started to not figure it out again, he turned, he once again turned the narrative around and started hitting home runs. So like if they can continue to do that, uh-huh. it's a really good sign. And similar to the Padres series, if you can come out of Houston one, one, I think all of Philadelphia is going to feel really great about it. If it's Oh two, you're coming back to Philly. You still don't have home field advantage, but you know, Again, crazier things have happened. Exactly. I, I, I really hope that, that – when did they get – they got there uh, today, right? Yeah, they, they got, got, their, their, they got there last to, night. They flew yeah, out last was, night. Segura flew. All, Everybody was in suits. Segura was in his home uniform. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking, like, uh, hopefully Reese and Segura are just in the field and they're just pelting balls at them and they're they're practicing their defense man well the crazy thing about segura is that outside of the bumble the uh, fumbled double play ball in game three which he made it up he made, he made it, it up, it up. Uh, that's what i was saying is he he had the diving plays he obviously uh-huh. had the big hit but i mean i was sitting in in right field and you could just see it as clear as day the ball go through i mean that like little pocket where it hit his glove it looked like it was 50 yards wide. It looked like it was a Justin Tucker field goal. And that's apropos because the Ravens are playing right now. But, like, just how how big that went. Then the Reese, the Reese fumble, I first thought it hit the base. That's where I was sitting in right field, how far it was. And then we, there's no internet. It wasn't as bad as an Eagles game of no internet or no cell service. I was able to at least send texts. And I think DiStefano sent me a, a video of it, and it was not it was very bad and all the Phillies fans watching this really baseball fans listening to this know the play I'm talking about but they both made up for it and you know silenced various haters you might have not that Segura had a ton of them coming in coming into the playoffs or after that play especially because they won the game but yeah defense is going to be it's going to be a huge key because no matter what you want to say about the bottom part of the Astros lineup which looked much better against the Yankees. Any of them can really, really pop off. And they're going to have to be sharp defensively. They're going to have to be careful with how often they shift because the they're just, I mean, the Astros are that skilled at hitting, at taking advantage. They're never out of things. Look at that Seattle series where they rallied all the way back in game one. They basically did it again in game two. And then they had the super long game. And... You know, they're just a machine. The one thing going for the Phillies, Sean, I don't know if you know the stat, that a team that is undefeated going into the World Series, so in the, I believe it's the LCS era, definitely in the wildcard era, has not converted on a World Series title. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So the I mean, Astros you- have a pretty good shot at being the first ones to do it. The most recent were the 2014 Kansas City Royals who lost to one of the all-time great pitching performances from Madison Gumgarner throughout that entire series. He might as well pitched every inning. He basically did. He pitched in three games. But, uh, you know, that's a good sign for the Phillies, but that's not something we should be hanging our hats on. Because, again, this is this is not going to be a quick series. If you know, Or at least for the Phillies, it's not going to be a quick series. If they win this, it's going six or seven. So you got you to gotta play well in Houston. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we beat a bunch of bums to get here either, man. That's true. The Braves, That's true. The Braves were defending world champions. The Padres were really good. So it's not like we need to go in and, like, we're we're David versus Goliath. Like, I think it's two Goliaths. It's just it took the Phillies a little bit longer to achieve that same pedigree that, that honestly, um, the other team has had this entire season. That's true. That's fair. You know, and obviously, yeah, the Braves are defending title, World Series, def, uh, defending World Series champions, and had the whole almost the same narrative as a year ago of they were so far down in the division series in the division, and then they came back to win it, and it was even more epic fashion this year of coming all the way back to the last week of the series of the season rather than the middle of August. But you know, the Phillies obviously took care of business there. 
and a, and a team that honestly, honestly up until August or up until September, the Phillies and Braves had had been in lockstep, and then the Braves really just seemed so much better and took advantage of all the mistakes the Phillies did, and then the Phillies turned it around and and really really got an opportunity there. It's I guess then it's worth noting we mentioned the Nola game, and then they sat everybody slash everybody was hung over for the last two games. They faced Verlander in Game One, and I think this is something too that Phillies fans can be excited about. But Verlander, after two years, basically, of not pitching, was back with a vengeance this year. And what I'm talking about is Verlander is 0-6. His teams are 1-6, maybe 1-7. In his World Series starts, he's 0-6 with a terrible earned run average. That's not something that we can really hold our hat on until, until something good happens, right? So coming into it, you need to expect that it might be a little bit of a slow burn. Think about game one against the Padres. Where was that? They obviously won. They end up winning that game off the two home runs. But the first way through the lineup, you could see they were feeling it out. It was almost like a playoff football game of the first quarter, two teams are feeling each other out. And then it was almost ready to let let the dogs loose and obviously ended up being a low-scoring game. But I feel like that's what's going to happen in this first game is Nola hopefully is fully locked in. You still have to, I mean, it sucks that you still have to, to knock on wood with him, but you do. And then Verlander's going to be really good. So it is something of like, you have to expect the best from their pitchers and just hope the Phillies continue to make those adjustments that they've been doing. And you hear so much about Kevin Long, the hitting coach, telling them to be more aggressive and everything. You've got to be able to do that because the Braves were a team that if you got down in the strikeout or the strike, if you got down in the count, and ultimately would stri- you ultimately would strike out. So they got to be aggressive and they got to be able to take advantage of this. Obviously there are drawbacks to it. If you're hitting it right at guys, which the Phillies at certain points in the season seemingly put magnets in the baseball, but you know, the pitch counts don't go up, but you know, we'll just see how they carry it over. And I think your point too, of it being only four days, probably the longest four days of my life, it's not terrible, right? They have just as long of a, of a drop-off. And, you know, it's almost better that way. Because if the Yankees had rallied through it, you've seen so many times where a team has won their league so early and another team's gone to seven games. Both both Red Sox, or both of the early Red Sox titles were that way. And so many other examples, too. That's another one of the teams that was undefeated, the 2007 Rockies of teams get cold and the fact that both teams have the same amount of off time at least bodes well, but we, we just need the first pitch to happen and we need to see how the Phillies come out of the gate. Exactly. We as soon as, soon as it becomes real, they'll just hopefully like kick it back in the high gear exactly where they were. And everything that's been fueling them up to this point, is just going to take over. Like you can see it like Bryce is just a different person. That dude is possessed right now. Oh yeah. And it's great. I mean, it's great. I think your point on JT He's another one that waited so long to get this, and he has not missed a step. Defensively has looked great. Offensively has been fantastic, and has been really the setup man. You know, obviously he got the hit to set up Harper's home run, and you know if they can do that, they're in a good spot. But let's kick we, it. We, let's kick it over oh, to, to some football. Or you had one last point. Oh no, 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 we're good, we're good. Let's go to football. Yeah. Well, I wanted your pick. I'm not making a pick because I don't, but I want your pick. I'm going Phillies. In how many games? Hmm. I don't. I don't want to jinx it. Okay. All right. <laughs> then I, I just in my, for, in my heart uh, of in my heart of hearts, if it's a dogfight, or if they if they can take them quick, or they they stick with them and they take it at the end, like I I believe it's the Phillies are going to come out on top. God, I hope so. All right. So, let's go to football. Let's do a little college quick, and then we'll jump to the NFL. College football, Sean, has gotten very, very interesting. Do tell, because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the biggest college fan. You're not the biggest college football fan. All right, so quick primer. So, obviously, a couple weeks ago, Tennessee took down Alabama. They took down the big gun. You now have Tennessee ranked third. Ohio State looks unstoppable, but they're at Penn State this weekend. You get Georgia-Florida. Do you know what they call the rivalry, Georgia-Florida? I do not. So they play at the Jaguars Stadium. 
and it's called the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. <laughs> so that's this weekend. Georgia's number one, Ohio State two, Tennessee three, Michigan plays Michigan State, the little brother this weekend. Michigan State, very little brother this year. Clemson should have lost last week. little fun tidbit for you to tell your friends. They played Notre Dame this week. Bama goes to LSU in a game that about a month ago you would have thought stunk. But LSU upsetting Mississippi last week and um, looking really good doing it. Brian Kelly, the former Notre Dame coach, he's their coach now. And they're starting to click there. They had a very slow start to their year, the LSU Tigers did. And, uh, you know, this hopefully will be a good game. It's kind of the same thing Matt and I were saying a couple weeks ago about Bama, Tennessee, of that hopefully it's a good game, and we might get that. And, um, you know, so those are your real contenders there. Obviously, three of those teams I just named are in the SEC. Two of them play each other in a couple weeks, that being Georgia and Tennessee. And then you get some of the other interesting ones. You get TCU, the only undefeated team in the Big 12 right now, you get Oregon. Pac-12's not totally dead. I celebrate Pac-12 being dead time because USC lost a couple weeks ago and uh, or in their last game against Utah. But, you know, I like to celebrate the Pac-12 being dead, Sean. I think you might remember that from my bachelor party when Oregon lost to Utah. So oh, I remember. <laughs> college football heating up a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's it's an exciting time. I mean, because of your non-expertise, I'll put it that way. We can just keep moving, but it's going to be an exciting week of football. You get some you get some ranked matchups. You get some good primetime ones. Obviously, uh, I think it's good of college football to at least have the first quarter of Alabama LSU be before the World Series because I'll probably not watch the rest of that game, maybe throw it on a second monitor because, the, because of game two. But uh, I don't know. It's a fun It's a fun weekend. But we can move on to the NFL, talk some birds. So, Sean, the Eagles are back off of the bye week, and they're playing the Stillers. We got some news, though. Before we jump in to the game itself, Robert Quinn is a Philadelphia Eagle. Go Birds! Go Birds! Go Birds! (laughs) I am incredibly excited about this, and I know he... He hasn't had as good of a season so far in 2022 as he did in 2021. I did see something, though, that he has been double teamed up to, if not the most, out of a lot of pass rushers this year, which might explain some of it. Now getting onto a team that includes the Eagles pass rush of, you know, Fletcher Cox, of Jordan Davis and the the downs he's playing, Hassan Reddick. Maybe it opens it up for him, and we might see him fully unleashed. Yeah, honestly, for a fourth-round pick, man, this guy, uh, you're you're right. He's he's been double-teamed. He's playing in Chicago. That team is dreck. I mean, mean, he didn't even know he was was on the trade block. He hears about it, and he's like, I'm going to do whatever I can to help this team get where they need to go. Like it, it, it really does. It, it feels this is like when we got JHI during the Super Bowl year. It's mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Like Howie, this is what Howie always did good. He manages the cap, and he's good at finding free agent talent, pre-approved like pre-approved talent that he doesn't have to like take a flyer on. Yeah, go like, out and for. Granted, yeah. <laughs> granted, his last two drafts has gone good because I feel like he might have been. Uh, under the gun there to take the obvious pick and not his Jalen Rager picks, but it's he's he's doing it again, the mad scientist. Yeah, I mean, for one, I think Howie's figured out the the ultimate secret of the NFL that the salary cap doesn't matter. Like you can just turn any money you want into a signing bonus or not guaranteed, and there you go, you fixed it, you fixed the salary cap. But mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right though of at least getting various aspects of draft capital and turning around and using it for different players, whether it's, you know, the, the Gardner Johnson trade where some of that were the picks they got back for, uh, not Antonio Brown, for AJ Brown. And, you know, seeing this one, I think this was their own pick. They traded the conditional fourth and, but still realizing like the return on capital of a fourth round pick. And and some of them go really well, right? Some of them don't. 
Some of them turn into compensatory, you know, you get compensatory picks for different, you know, losing different free agents and stuff like that. And you can use that as, you know, trade bait and everything there. And I, th- I think he's done a really good job with it. And I'm somebody who, you know, a couple of years ago, I was not bullish on the Eagles whatsoever. I didn't think they were going to be very good last year and I was dead wrong. And this year it still, you know, it feels crazy that they're 6-0. and I was at the last game, the Cowboys game, and, you know, coming into this, they're, they're playing the Steelers and you got to feel really good about it. The only thing I don't like is the 10.5 point spread. It just feels like, I don't know, it feels like too much, too many points in an, in an NFL game. But really, what do, what do the Steelers have? You watch the Steelers, Jordy. Yeah, no, 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 that's what I was about to say is what do the Steelers have to really make you feel scared as an Eagles fan? Nothing. Najee Harris is a shell of his rookie year. Yep. Um, Chase Claypool, like a handful of what ifs and well, not quite theirs. Like the, yeah, and who's throwing in the ball? <laughs> Nobody. Exactly. Yeah. No, is, is it Pickett hurt? Yeah. Um. He is. He might be hurt. Um. I know. Yeah. He. Yeah. He is hurt. You're right. Um. Admittedly, I did not watch a lot of last week's football because the Phillies were on. Um, so I'm not totally up to date on, you know, a lot of the things, but I mean, he, he's not on the injury report. So I think he's playing at least, uh, unless Yahoo's lying to me. Um, but you know, I I mean, he is, he's looked okay. I mean, he's a running quarterback, which, or he can run and he, his passes have looked okay. And, but you know, with those tiny hands, man, those passes have looked good. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, I mean, Again, I'm not entirely scared of this team. You know, I mean, obviously it's, you know, the, you know, the Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, you know, never really been rivals in football because they've always been in different conferences. But like, it is a game you get excited for. And this is one that I believe is because of the, the way that the schedule gets drawn up. This is a team, this is a, uh, like a, a backward game of, you know, they, the fifth AFC game, in other words, of, you know, last year they played the Jets, even though they weren't playing that division. I think this is that game. So, you know, it's, it's fun that you get that opportunity to play the Steelers, you know, a, a second time in four years. But again, I don't know. It's one of these things of I'd like to see him come out of the gates still doing what's been working for him, you know, running the ball really well, seeing, seeing what Jalen Hurts can do, both on his feet and in the passing game. I'd love to see... Another signature game out of Devontae Smith. Obviously, see what A.J. Brown can do. It seems like he could have just a fucking field day in this game. But really get that passing game involved and, and see what they can do out of it and utilize that. Because in the Dallas game, it obviously was a game of ru- a huge game of rushing, jamming it down their throats and showing their defense. Like, you know, the, the Demarcus Lawrence, oh, Jalen Hurts hasn't played anybody in the constant showing of him falling over. Just throw it down their throats. I mean, it feels kind of like that Commanders game from a month ago, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I th- I think this team, uh, everything you're seeing in these games when you watch them, like there's some games where they score all their points in one quarter, and then they would have had two touchdowns in like their third quarter, but a lot of stuff gets called back over penalties. Like uh, the 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 only proof is in the people who watch like the entire game and who aren't just watching red zone. Yeah, like yeah. the Eagles are doing everything they should be. Sometimes their their offense gets a little boring, but I think that's just them learning how to use new weapons. I mean, they're 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 running this offense with a lot more balance than we've seen them in the past. Yeah. Granted this is Nick Sirianni's like he's he's this is his second full like year. Like they're just doing things that like as us as Philly fans, we're always just all we want is consistency. We want to know. We don't want to watch Michael Vick blow the Redskins up week one and then completely fall fall off the wagon as as the season goes on. We don't want to watch Jalen Hurts blow up the Falcons for a billion points and then only beat losing teams the rest of the season. We want to just yeah, see them right. come in and get a fair shake. Like if you're playing good, you should win the game. And Nick Sirianni. Like in this defense, like I, I'll take back all the bad things I said about Jonathan Gannon because I thought that dude was dog shit. I did too. But, I was about but to bring honestly, that up. but honestly, like I mean, Jim Schwartz, we're always we were just rolling our eyes forever. But maybe it really was this. We know it, a good portion of it was this 
defense just never had talent. And now this poor schmuck of a quarterback is going to come in and he's going against Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, and now add Quinn into like, this is crazy. Like, it's this, nuts. this defense is a monster. And everyone just keeps saying, are the Eagles as good as people think they are? Those, yeah, they're fucking good as people think they are. We're the only defeated team and, and we played good teams. Yeah. Like, everyone, I know who I hate. And I, I, this is a little off topic. Who, uh, who's that one radio host who's, who's such a troll? Um, Howard Eskin. Oh, he yeah. said, I can't wait to call that radio station and tell him to S a D because he is because <laughs> he goes on there and he's like, Are the Eagles the best team in the division? I don't think so. Will they have the best record by the end of the season? Maybe. I can't wait to call him and just tell him to go to hell because that guy sucks. Yeah, he, he's not fun to listen to. I mean, I have my own opinions on a, a lot of Philadelphia sports radio, but uh, that is, I feel like, a universal take. But uh, <laughs> I think what's exciting on the defensive end of this is that we've seen really good performances, right? Of They have a ton of picks. They have a really good pass defense. And even in the moments where they play that shell that you see, I mean, the one that, that sticks out to me is like how Troy Aikman literally just brought out the – he connected the dots in the Vikings game to show how that shell defense doesn't work. But it, you, when the Eagles even do that, you saw it a little bit in the Arizona game a couple weeks ago where, you know, they let some some plays breathe for the for, for Kyler Murray and the, and the, I was about to call them the Coyotes, and the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, they, they got some plays. They got into, you know, better position, field goal position, and, you know, into a red zone. But, you know, they do that to let their linebackers work. And the dynamicism of some of these guys, and obviously, you know, Hassan Reddick, now that he's rushing more than he's going in coverage, has, you know, he's kind of figured himself out there. But, like, seeing what these different players can do because you're white and TJ Edwards and like they're just so dynamic on how they play on the ball and how they can try to stop teams. I mean, you have a guy like Pat Fryermuth on the Steelers who might get targeted a ton to try to go over the middle. But if they shut that down, if they call that no, uh, no fly zone, this is going to be something now where you have to play one-on-one, maybe play like a little cover two man type of thing where, you have guys even double cover, double covering Claypool or Deontay Johnson or something like that, and you're going to see some serious shit happen. I mean, you saw it where Cooper Rush looked like he was going to pull a Nick Foles for a little bit, and the Eagles completely shut him down. And I, I, uh-huh. I obviously, this has been very Philadelphia heavy, and I always try to temper my expectations with this, but this is a game where after two days of watching the World Series, however that goes – the link is going to be fucking rocking. Either the team, the Phillies either did their job, their job. and split in Houston or they're 0-2 and Philadelphia is going to be pissed the fuck off. And mm-hmm. the Steelers aren't going to know what hit them. Again, it's it's hard with a 10-point spread in the NFL. So, in, you know, it's, it's something I'm not going to really dive into there. But this is a team that's been ready to go. You have Jalen Hurts converting – from the picture of him with the Astros shit on to now being like Philadelphia is my home. I'm rooting for the Phillies. These guys have bought in. They bought into Nick Sirianni. They bought into the Phillies. They bought into just Philadelphia in general. You see dudes handing balls off to James Harden. You know, the Sixers are a whole another story, but like they at least like they bought into just Philly and everything there. And I want to see, I want to see fat Batman. I want to see a Miles Sanders screen touchdown and Jason Kelsey put on the fucking Cape. Jordy, I just got my third notification. I'll make. I'll try to mouth it as best as I can. Na 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 I I have got my third notification about the Eagles in talks to get Alvin Kamara. Uh, yeah, I saw him tweet out the eyes emoji, and everyone in Philadelphia is going fucking nuts about it. Is this, this real? Is it happening? I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't think we can say definitely because it's. I, I don't I even want to imagine they'd have to see. <laughs> who who knows what they'd have to give up to get him, and I prefer <laughs> more of like a power back to come into this offense. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, Alvin, ooh, like it, they would be unstoppable if they got him. That would be fucking insane because 
That's just like think about the two headed monster of Kamara and Sanders, and then you throw in like a Trey Sermon, you throw in a Kenny Gainwell. That'd be absolutely insane. As I pull up Twitter, have you seen the Ben Simmons layup tonight? No. Um, I'm gonna send it to you on Instagram. And we're going to continue talking about the Eagles. And when you get it, tell me when you pull it up on Twitter. Because we need a live reaction of it. It's very funny. And uh, I won't ruin it for you. But yeah, this game, to see where the birds can go, it's really exciting. And obviously, you know, they got to lose a game at some point. (laughs) And I don't think it's this one. I uh, I think that's the take there. They'll probably drop. I don't know. They'll probably drop. I've said it all year, and I didn't think they'd be six and zero at this point. But they'll they'll probably drop a game to the Giants late in this, unless it's, if it's late in the season. Who the hell knows? Maybe I don't. You know who the hell knows? I mean, maybe the Green Bay game. Maybe the Packers figure it out. That Sunday Night Football now. But some oh of these my games. God, he's completely <laughs> airballed. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen this oh take, if you haven't you seen can't... this layup, Ben Simmons goes in for a layup, misses it wide right. <laughs> Completely. You can't make this up. You, you can't, can't make, make this, this up. up. He has more oh fouls. He has more fouls than points this year. <laughs> oh God! If anyone thinks for a split second we lost that trade, you're out of your mind. We got rid of him and we got quality back. Like as soon as we get rid of Doc Rivers, this team will be good. Yeah, the Sixers will be fine. Did you see uh, Kyrie Irving trying to defend Ben Simmons last night? Oh, my God. It's just they're, they are the Lakers of the East, man. They're just yeah. a carnival. Oh, the Lakers are just complete shit show. A little, little hoops talk there. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, so circling back to the Eagles, and we'll talk about the rest of Week 8. But, I don't know, you know, this game I don't think is one they're losing. They go to Thursday Night Football in Houston. Could you imagine that? The Phillies go to game six and game seven, and Jason Kelsey is back out there chugging beers. That would be – I mean, there's so many narratives that you couldn't write. And it, it's – like, it is really nuts the way, like, it works out that this – what's happening right now, the parallels between the Eagles and, and the Phillies. It's, it's, it's so good to see, too, because if you remember, it never used to be like this. These teams all hated each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it was really – the ownership groups did a terrible job of, like, just embracing you're in the city of brotherly love and all of your teams hate each other. Yeah. Now all yeah. they do, you see Tyrese Maxey at Flyers games. Yeah. Like, yeah. You just, there's nothing you don't see anymore. This is great. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, like think about a couple of years ago where like you didn't have anything between the Flyers and the Sixers. And, you know, obviously they used to be owned by the same teams and they didn't do anything back then or by the same group. They were both owned by Comcast. They didn't do anything back then. And now you have maxi games. You have vibes around it. And you have players coming to – and you always had Eagles players coming to Sixers games. But you have Philly, more Phillies coming. You have Flyers sticking around for those games. It's just fun. And, again, like you see Sixers, the Eagles. You see all of this different excitement. And – it's, it's all just, we have, man. It's yeah, all we have. Yeah. Like we don't have – like we don't identify with Penn State. No, we don't God, identify no, with no. Villanova. Like it, they're God, just all, no. they're all, they're, they're not in Philly or they're too far away. Like if you, I think I said this before, like if you grow up in Atlanta, you're like a Georgia tech fan. You don't give a shit about the Falcons. Like yeah. this is all we have, dude. Yeah. And that's why these teams, like that's why the energy here is so crazy. Everyone's like Philly fans are the worst. They're such pieces of shit. Like they don't give a they don't give a hoot. Like it's no, it's it's not that we don't give. It's not that we're like we care too much. Exactly. Like we're so invested, man. Like I don't think I own any shirts that aren't Philadelphia sports team shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm the same way. I'm the same fucking way. I um, yeah. It's just it's an exciting time to be a Philly fan, and it, not to go back to the Phillies, but if they pull it off, holy oh. fuck. Jordy, we're calling we're calling out of work and we're going bananas, kid. I'm going fucking nuts. <laughs> I mean I'll be like, the, the wife fi- is watching the kid. Me and you were partying. <laughs> oh yeah. The funniest and again, we're 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 gonna get back to football in a second. The funniest though was somebody tweeted out Philadelphia's first World Series game in thirteen years is on Halloween night. You can't write a horror movie scarier than that. <laughs> and always yeah. sunny retweets it says dibs. Can you imagine that episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good. It's so good. It'd be fucking incredible. But yeah, back to football. 
So we're you know we're we're off the Eagles. It's almost halftime on Amazon Prime. Hopefully, when we're done recording this, I can actually pull up the game. Um, listeners will know my battles with Amazon Prime and pr- trying to watch football games on Thursday nights has been quite the uh, the tough run for me. But we we got an interesting week of football coming ahead of us, Sean, on in the NFL slate. We get some games that are absolute stinkers. We get the the maybe the most classic London game ever, where about a month ago we would have thought this game would have been kind of exciting. You know, we were still in the narrative that the Broncos would figure it out and that the Jaguars were good. And uh they're two and five heading into this uh this London game. Not normally a game I would talk about, but because I frequently forget that the London games exist, it's worth noting that this is what we're sending over to England. Those, those, I mean, this is what they get. This is why we broke away from that, that <laughs> shithole. <laughs> they, they deserve this. They can have, they can watch, they can watch Russell Wilson and his stupid commercials. <laughs> what, 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 what was, what does he say in those commercials? Oh yeah. And the subway commercial, I forget, but it's really, or, it's really bad. Or the, the stadium takes where he's like, oh yeah. Uh, it, where he says, Denver, let's ride. Denver, let's ride. I mean, he said it a thousand times. You know, I think the you know, only statement that's been said more playing. is The Rock talking about the DC universe changing. Oh, God. It's, it's so cringe, dude. It's so it's cringe. It's so cringe. I had you to explain what? to my mom going into this year about Russell Wilson. She's like, oh, he seems like a really nice guy. I was like, I don't know, Mom. He's, he's really cringy. It's like, what does he do? It's like, I don't know. Like, listen to him talk. He <laughs> just he, he does the things you just – you don't need to do like he it's almost like he he's past his prime in like uh, uh isms like yeah, he just he doesn't really know, yeah. like a functional like adult of his age and the dude i felt bad because you watched him in the off season he was at the like skills challenge for like pro bowl week and stuff like that and that dude has so much zip on his ball so yeah. much accuracy like I don't know what it is like is it that offense like he's got Jerry G, he's got guys there he just can't put it together. He just he looks so defeated out there. Like when he's like either missing guys or uh, the miscoordination. It looks like he wants to blame on people, blame people for running the wrong routes. Like he just looks, he looks so upset out there. And this is an organization that just keeps bringing in journeymen. Granted, like really good, expensive journeymen. But like, I, I thought I thought the Broncos would be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody did right, and they lost. Uh... They're running back. His name is escaping me, but they lost him. And even before that, they weren't looking very great. But I mean, I think it's it's a combination between a new coach who doesn't necessarily know exactly what he's doing. I think it was supposed to be Wonderkind. His dad was a coach, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I think he's, he's kind of lost in the sauce there. And it's just a team. May, you know, maybe Russell Wilson was over the hill when he was in Seattle. And Nick, and not Nick, Pete Carroll had kind of figure that out and that's why they weren't letting Russ cook as much and you know maybe he's just not on the level with those receivers and they should be really good receivers right like your Cortland Suttons your your I want to say I was about to say Deontay Johnson um Jerry Judy and, and all these different guys and I don't know maybe it just is over the hill and he's you know just kind of lost it but it is crazy to think of of all of that different of how he's played and how much we've gotten from there. One last note on this game, and we'll, uh, I guess we'll quickly run through the rest of the shitty one o'clock slate. But um, I thought it was really funny watching Monday Night Football this past week where Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman are talking about the game. And because it's the first game on ESPN Plus, they were saying, it's our first London game. And <laughs> it like making it imply like we've never played a game in London nor the fact that we've had like th- two or three London games already. It just was so, it was like such a weird way to say it. And I like noticed Fox does that too, where if they show a team schedule, they only will show, like they'll show the matchup like Cowboys Eagles and they'll put Fox. But if the Cowboys are playing, you know, an AFC team and they're playing on CBS, they don't show the TV network on. It's just very funny how networks are trying to just be like only marketing themselves now. Yeah. But it is so true. The rest of the the I was about to call it the Saturday slate. The rest of the one o'clock slate. We talked about the Eagles a little bit. Um, let's run through these. And there's probably only one game really worth talking about. You have Falcons Panthers, not great. Bears Cow- Cowboys, not great. Although we love a Chicago upset. 
Miami-Detroit, close line, not great. Arizona-Minnesota, probably not great, also a close line. The closest line is Vegas at New Orleans, two party towns going at it, so that's fun. Close line, but a stinker of a game. Mm-hmm. And then the game I think nobody would have pegged to be exciting or to be the records to be where they are. The five and two New York Jets uh-huh. underdogs to the New England Patriots. You would have expected the Patriots to be favorites, but not them under 500, Sean. I think that is the game we should talk about a little bit and then go into the exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, they just uh, the Jets just picked up James Robinson. Like it looks like it was a win-win trade between them and the Jags, because the Jags have a running back who's kind of ready to go. What is it? How do you pronounce his last name? Etni, Etni. Yeah, 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 something like that. Uh, Uh, Pronunciations are not my thing. I think you know that. Yeah, (laughs) me too. Um, But like, I think I think the Jets are just quietly like becoming relevant, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely crazy that Zach Wilson has actually developed, at least looks like he's developing into a a fairly competent quarterback that's able to, you know, make plays happen. And on the other side of things, the Patriots, their defense at times looks elite, but at other times has been an absolute piece of Swiss cheese. That Monday Night Football game against the Bears turned out to be a lot of fun because of the fact that the the Bears were able to take advantage of that. So this game, you know... It's really, really interesting because I think some of it is the, the you know, people think, oh, well, the, you know, the Jets haven't beaten the Patriots in so long and blah, blah, blah. And, but the other the other side of the coin, the Jets are actually a really fun team. Yeah. I mean, I, they're, they're doing things. They're, like, kind of when it comes to, like, league rankings, it's, like, right there in the middle. But you see, like, some, some crazy, uh, like, they're – Right now, 14th in the league in points. Yeah, I mean, they're frisky. Yeah, that's crazy. Like 22.7 points a game. That's 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 nuts to yeah. think that this this these are the same Jets, 17th in rush yards. I mean, they've been for a young team. They're they're doing what they should be doing. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, losing Brees Hall is why you bring in James Robinson, and mm-hmm. I think he'll fit in well. And James Robinson last week was not used because of t- Travis Etienne, and you know now gets a change of scenery and and kind of gets to figure it out and. That's exciting for him, and you know, seeing where everything goes with that with that game is is you know, again, who the fuck would have thought the Jets would be the, that? Let alone the Patriots, because you you might have been able to spot some of the problems with Mac Jones and Bailey and Bailey Zappi coming in with everything there, but who the fuck thought the Jets would be five and two? Uh, I don't think anyone thought that. Especially, how many games did Falco win for them? And I know it's Joe Flacco. I just Falco, Falco Lombardi. <laughs> Um, how about, how about, did he win one or two games for them? He won that Browns game, and he won the he he had to have won won at least two because Wilson came back against the Steelers, and let's see because I don't think that was like two or three weeks ago. That was like three or four weeks ago. So mm-hmm. the Jets have won. Jets have won, oh, so I think he just won the one game. Okay, yeah. So that's Zach Wilson's I mean, won four in a row. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he's doing things. Like, everyone knew, like, the dude had kind of like a rocket launcher of an arm. It's always been, like, can he be more than Jay Cutler ever was? And yeah. it, it looks like he is. Yeah, which is, you know, exciting to see. And, you know, they they play the Patriots this week. They get the Bills again. Or they get the Bills next week, which is uh, crazy to think that might be a game of the week game yeah. in November. Which, again, who the hell thought we'd be here of a potentially – Five and three, or maybe even six and two, Jets team. But um, think about this: back in the day, the Steelers and the Patriots were the upper echelon, and now the Bills and the Jets have ousted them. Yeah. <laughs> remember when the Bills had to beat the Cow? Remember they beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and we were it was like such a huge upset, but we were pumped. I think it was Carson Wentz's. It was Carson Wentz leading the team in 2019. We were so pumped. It was Josh Allen's rookie year, and. Now they're the fucking class of the division, of the league. That's Insane. Just, it's crazy to think about. But yeah, so that's the one o'clock slate. Unless you want to talk about any of those other games, I think we keep moving. Yeah, let's keep moving. Yeah. Um, so four o'clock slate, we still get some potential stinkers out there. 
technically speaking, Titans-Houston shouldn't be good. Titans should win this. It's close line because divisional game. Um, we don't get the Carson Wentz revenge factor because he's not playing. He's hurt uh, for Commanders-Colts, which is a real show-me game. Sam Ellinger in there now. So we'll see. I mean, they're still favored, and we'll see what the, the Commanders offense can do. Or then we Frank get some, Reich. Yeah, Frank <laughs> Reich. For that. Jesus Christ. Still bad for that. I mean, another take that I thought, and I think everybody thought of, man, like we, should, we never should have let him go, blah, blah, blah. Jesus. I mean, maybe he's just a McDaniels guy of like, and McDaniels is a head coach now and doing okay, but. Yeah, he's um, in Vegas. But, you know, maybe he just needs to go back to being somebody's coordinator for a little bit before he's, you know, he got a little more seasoning before he's actually ready. I, him and Matt Rule have just been running out retreads their entire careers. It's like, just give these guys a new quarterback for Christ's Matt, sake. Matt just Rule just go. needs to go back to college. I mean, <laughs> I think he will because there's a lot of vacancies right now, especially in the Big Ten, and I, I feel like that's Matt Rule country. But, uh, you know, we'll, we, we haven't heard the last of him, at least as a coach, but just go back to college, be successful there. You don't need to do the NFL again. But the other two games on the slate, one is the two teams are combined at, at six and seven, the Rams and the 49ers. That should, it should at least be an exciting game. Two defenses that are a little banged up, probably haven't performed their best. The Rams certainly so. And then offense is just trying to figure it out. But two teams that absolutely hate each other, Sean. Yeah. Uh, I, who, who is... um. San Francisco's top running back right now again. Well, it's Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey. They just, yeah, that's just they just got. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be that'll at least give us like something to kind of watch there because Jimmy G isn't really lighting the world on fire right now. I mean, it's the same. Um, it's the same story as last year. Yeah, and and the Rams. I mean, I I think everyone thought they'd be better than three and three at this point. I mean, they were in the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, honestly, who knows what we're going to get? This is, It's such a weird matchup to me. They, they seem like just like I, – I know they, they both play like miles away from each other, but they're just like – they couldn't be more opposite of teams. I mean, they really are. And it really is one is run down your throat. The other is offense that we have no fucking idea what's happening after a year ago. Is Matt Stafford still fucked up? Like, was his shoulder surgery? Like, what are they doing? Is he going to throw it to anybody else but Cooper Cup? Can they ever get a run a run offense going? Who the hell knows? And it's just really, you know, just throw your hands up. But I get like the only thing that goes for either of those teams is you're certainly not out of it in your division. And, you know, if they can figure it out and just get into the playoffs, you're going to feel like a lot better because not to jump ahead to the next game, but I don't think Seattle's really, you know, built for the long haul. So just whoever wins this game – Obviously, he's in a pretty good spot, and you really just got to figure it out and right the ship because both of those teams should be better. They're frauds. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's jump into that game. I mean, Seattle's a three point favorite against the Giants. I don't really trust Seattle, but I'd love them to win this game. I mean, it would be it'd be fun to watch. Uh, I mean, Geno Smith. Like, I was like listening to I forget what podcast I was listening to, but the guy was like he had his jaw broken. And like just listening to the way he got to where he was, to where he is now, it's it's pretty yeah, he had wild. Bro- broken by one of his teammates. Yeah, and then he had to like just sit there with the Chargers, and, and and no one thought Seattle would do this. No one thought they'd be here, and here they are. They they're fifth in the league in points yeah. per game. It's like wild. it's it's crazy. They're 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 just doing a ton of of crazy shit right now. It's crazy. crazy. I remember. I remember. Geno Smith's seven touchdown college game. I was working at ESPN radio during it. And was, it was he Cal? Was he Cal? No, he's West Virginia. West and it Virginia. was same same color scheme. So so no no uh, no worries there. But it's just insane to think about that he's you know, you thought like the the revenge game against Russ, okay, good for you. But he's continued to do it. And then the other side of the Giants, you know, they just traded uh uh Tony, or however you pronounce his last name to the Chiefs for, for draft picks and whatnot. But, you know, he had been a little banged up and there were all the memes that were coming out about that. And we're going to learn a lot about both of these teams and see what, you know, what Saquon can do and, and all of this different stuff. It's going to be it's going to be a really intriguing game. I feel like 
I don't know what we're going to get. Probably the Giants because for Fox 29 because, you know, East Coast and all that. But I don't know. It's it's definitely a it's a better afternoon for Red Zone than it is a, than it is at the one o'clock slate. That couldn't be closer to the truth, man. It really is a, a Red Zone kind of weekend with yeah. these these utter, utter dog shit games. It works. It works with the Eagles playing at one. So Sunday night football. <laughs> God, Daniel Jones is such a fraud. He is. Like, I mean, they're, they're not. It's it's crazy because they're just using him to just. They're grinding him down into dust. That's what the Giants yeah. are basically doing, so they can just get somebody else. But I don't think they were expecting to go six and one with him. I don't. Which is but nuts. They're basically using what the 49ers did with Jimmy G. Of all right, we're going to get everything we can out of him and just bring in another guy. And it's <laughs> and the they same. Go scene, back to him. It's um, the same team. Heavy on the run. Throw it to your running backs, yeah. and that's exactly what they're doing here. Heavy on the run with Saquon, throw it, throw it to Saquon. Like short passes, like you're thirtieth in the league and thirtieth in the league in passing yards. Like, come yeah. on, man, yeah, yeah, they yeah. utter frauds. They are. It's gonna be very interesting to see how the rest of their season goes. Sunday mm-hmm. football. I feel like not a ton to talk about. Bills coming off a bye. Packers look like they absolutely suck. And I think just see what the Bills defense looks like coming out of this because. I don't really know if the the Packers can figure it out. I don't I have no idea what is going on there. Like you know it, I think Rodgers and Matt LaFleur just they they go to bed at night and they're they're texting like Rodgers is texting some of the assistant coaches and he's talking shit on the floor and the floor is texting some of the teammates. He's like what's wrong with Rodgers? They're just it's just toxic, man. That place yes, is just it is. toxic. It's just crazy. But you know, I eleven point line. Um, you know, maybe Rodgers keeps it close on Sunday Night Football, but it's definitely one that uh, you know it might be safe to go to bed at halftime. Um, although game three or no, that's day off for the Phillies, so yeah, might have to be stuck watching that Monday Night Football. Probably won't be watching because of Game Three, but the Battle of Ohio, Sean, wrap us up. What are your thoughts coming into this one? Cincinnati, Cleveland. Oof. Uh, I'm just going to go Cincinnati. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. It's three point line, divisional game, Battle of Ohio, but the well, Bengals look like they figured it out. out. Jamar Chase is out for six to eight weeks now. Yeah, but now T. Higgins, you know, you can Tyler, use him. Tyler, Tyler Boyd might pop off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they have a decent tight end, you know, see what their run game does. Cleveland, mm-hmm. I mean, they had opportunities there with Jacoby Brissett and seeing what he can do, but it's. It's really become diminishing returns there, and it, it's hard yeah. to see. Yeah, they weren't really. I feel like Jacoby Brissett, like he, he started with the Patriots, right? And he had like a pretty good. Yeah, he season. he came in for Jimmy G during the Brady suspension, and then and he played good. And he played good. Yeah, yeah. So he he got traded to the Colts, and then you know was the starter there before Philip Rivers came in. So he's had kind of a Geno Smith type of career, except a lot more. Uh, higher regard if you will but um yeah it's it's tough to see what they can do i mean the run i guess the best thing for for cleveland is that they have nick chubb they can just hand him the ball and jam it down somebody's throat but mm-hmm. not the most exciting thing in the world so yeah nah. yeah but i think that's God. gonna do it sean do you have any last thoughts before we wrap up um i mean i'm just gonna i'm gonna say my prayers and I'm going to I'm going to say uh, uh, in the name of the father and the son and Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I fucking love that. I'm so excited for the World Series. We'll uh, you'll hear updates from us next week as we do the next football show. Uh, we'll figure out when it is because of games. Uh, two or three, four and five being Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then the Eagles playing Thursday. So maybe Matt D and I pull up for a little afternoon show, but we'll, uh, we'll see. But Sean, thank you so much for jumping on, man. This was so much fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jordy. I love when uh, I get to come on and shoot this shit with you guys. I'm no Matty D, but I try to do my best. Oh, you did a great <laughs> job, my friend, everybody. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, the bullpen cart, wherever you get your pods, follow us on Instagram, Thunderblog sports, Thunder BLG on Twitter, But for Sean Coleman, I am Jordy Cannell. Have a great weekend. Let's go, Phils, and fly, Eagles, fly!